He is the host of Breaking Through Glass Ceilings and the Wrestling Realm podcast. We welcome Ryan H. Waters onto Hoopsology. How's it going, Ryan? Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's going well. I'm glad you put the H in there. Some people don't, <laughs> and even though it's everywhere, but you know, I always got to give my dad props, uh, especially while he's still here, uh, because obviously, but well, my middle name is his first name. So gotcha. I'm like, man, I'm taking you everywhere I go with me. But you know, there's also the NFL player who like one man of the year whose name is Brian Waters. So I want to keep that separate. Uh, you know, I never did anything that great to be man of the year in the NFL. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Really looking forward to talking to you. And um, just some background on me, Brian. Um, I am a huge wrestling fan. So once I came across your uh, Twitter handle, and I just had to have you on to kind of discuss what's becoming a growing topic these days. And that is kind of like my two worlds of basketball and pro wrestling kind of meshing together. So let's get into it and let's talk about what recently happened. That was Trey Young unexpectedly um, appearing on SmackDown in Madison Square Garden, being the heel no less, getting tons of booze. What does she make of that? He's also going to be involved with the New Year's, um, was, I'm not sure it's New Year's Day or New Year's Eve pay-per-view for WWE. So obviously he's going to have a little bit more of a uh, connection to um, WWE going forward. What does she make of his appearance and what do you make of the relationship going forward? Well, I thought it was great. One of the things with this, um, we've seen in pro wrestling where they always bring the baby face, right? So New York, you would have expected a Julius Randle or someone. But instead, you know, getting Trey Young, you know, one of the things is we know uh, a couple things. So with AEW coming along, WWE is going to be, you know, kind of hitting some more home runs, in my opinion. So we knew that AW, if there was a weekend to be won last weekend, it was obviously them, you know, with uh, Brian Danielson and Adam Cole and Ruby Soho coming to their team. But then WWE said, that's all right, we still got the garden. And at the end of the day, I'm one to say the garden is the house that Vince McMahon built. Right. I know that it's Patrick Ewan's home uh, for basketball fans out there. But, you know, Vinnie Mac. Um, and his dad been having the garden on lock for over 70 years. So it's to me, it's the house that the McMahons built. And to bring out Trey Young, especially when they announced that he would be there for the New Year's Day special, yeah. it made so much sense. Um, and you can see, a lot of times you can see when people are kind of phoning it in, but it looked like Trey Young is kind of a wrestler fan. You know, for him to go out sure. there and, and uh, you know, get involved in the match and i was like he was a little bit green because yeah. he did, he held on too long he and we can look at it from a kayfabe standpoint he held yeah. him a little too long i was like trey i, I tweeted at brian <laughs> h waters trey you gotta let go the referee watched you got caught red-handed but i thought that was good it was something different like i said just to have you know him come out there um it, I'm, i don't think they'll go back to new york again before new year's day but it would be cool to kind of see if they you know, went back and then maybe somebody from the Knicks came out, you know, we, uh, and maybe, you know, we don't have to do the whole Malone versus uh, Dennis Rodman again, but just to kind of have that back and forth banter and Trey Young ate it up like a heel should, you know, he was a heel during the NBA game. And for, you know, for the basketball fans who may not know, he was the bad guy during the NBA uh, game in the playoffs and it transitioned to wrestling. And that's what it was, I thought it was great. So what do you make of kind of this relationship with pro wrestling? I would say within the last decade or 
a decade or so or so um i would say kind of shedding that kind of um taboo image and people know it's entertainment there's no kind of like mystery or kind of bs going on it is what it is in terms of what kind of entertainment that it's offering to its fans what do you kind of make in terms of like a Trey young appearance nowadays compared to if this was like the 90s it seemed way more taboo you mentioned you know car malone and dennis rodman that was you know very taboo back then mm -hmm. um, very just like frowned upon can you kind of go through that relationship in terms of the evolution what we saw in the 90s compared to now i mean it would be cool if we could keep kayfabe alive right unfortunately you know we can't be so it's understandable i do think it's really cool though now that you know they kind of it's not a thing where they're insulting our intelligence because i mean it's so easy to get access to this information before you had to pay you know not an arm and leg but you know either pay for the 199 mean gene hotline or you pay for pw torch or stuff like that so you could get the inside scoop now you know it's as simple as going on the twitter so i think just having people understand at the end of the day it is entertainment it's just like a movie it's just like they say a reality TV show, you know, is presented for us right in front of us. You know, I think when people can sit back, suspend their disbelief, and if this, you have a hard time doing so, watch it with children. That'll be the easy way to suspend your disbelief and just go out there and cheer for who you want to cheer for and boo who you want to boo. And it's fun when they do get celebrities involved. I mean, we look at the Paul brothers getting involved at WrestleMania. They're natural heels, right? And we couldn't wait to see Kevin Owens deliver a stunner. So I think it was Logan Paul, you know? So I think it's cool that when they do this, because it also puts them on sports center and it broadens the audience, you know? So like you and I know, okay, Trey Young is on SmackDown. That's pretty cool. But, you know, somebody who maybe we grew up watching wrestle with that's not watching anymore, they might say, well, let me turn on wrestling to see because Trey Young is on there. Let's see what this is about. And it ultimately brings more eyeballs to the product. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And it's good to see they didn't utilize Trey Young as a heel mm -hmm. because they were, you brought up Logan Paul, they were using him as like a baby face, which didn't mm -hmm. make any sense. You even saw with Floyd Mayweather, he was kind of the baby face against the big show before they kind of turned him later. So it's, I don't know, it's obvious in terms of some celebrities, in terms of what role they have, and yet WWE sometimes they go the opposite way. So it was... and you can make the argument with um, Floyd Mayweather. You know he's Pretty Boy Floyd coming into that, and he slowly shifted the Money Mayweather. So you could say that you know Vince McMahon and Triple H helped create that character. That's a good point. I, I think going into it, it was such a heel move. Um, when he debuted, I mean, that's when Big Show lost all that weight and now it's in Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. And so he came out the Big Show as a baby face and then he beat up Rey Mysterio. And there was a the whole thing where Mayweather was in Mysterio's corner, which is like, why would he be in Rey Mysterio's corner? But it, I digress. Anyways, I, I think you're right. The <laughs> evolution to where it went and the WrestleMania match, I think that was very entertaining in terms of how that was presented. So their celebrity integration was has always been on point. Um, Matt, do you have do you have a question? Yeah, quick follow-up. I mean, you mentioned in, in this conversation, you know, two very different eras of celebrity appearances. And obviously one of the major differences right now is social media. And you mentioned like greater access to all of this for the 
fans. Do you feel like social media amplifies appearances like the one that Trey Young had this past week? How different does it feel for fans having that social media aspect and does it help the sport of wrestling? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you look at uh, before there was Cardi B. Uh, she was going back and forth with Lacey Evans tweeting. And, you know, I think Cardi B started mentioning like all the wrestlers that she grew up watching. And you could see like, oh, well, she's general, she's a genuine fan. And then her and Lacey Evans. And then you wonder if it's a work or a shoot. Um, and th- I think that helps amplify everything. Um, I'll be interested. I didn't really check Trey's Twitter feed too much, but uh, it would be interesting to see him go along and see how much he does this. You know what I mean? Um, I think before people were kind of looking at him as the next Steph Curry, as far as just that lovable guy who can shoot threes, right? You know, small, big heart, shoot threes. And Eric's, oh yeah, we love him. But then when he goes out there and silence New York of all places, he easily gets booed, right? And maybe Curry would have did the same thing if it was a playoff, which, well, not really, because Curry's, that, you know, he did that to the, um, the Cavaliers, you know, but we seen a different side. And that's how uh, Trey Young showed like, hey, I can be the bad guy. I can be that heel. And you got to remember, one of his biggest inspirations was Kobe Bryant. So if Kobe Bryant, I don't know if Kobe was necessarily a wrestling fan because you didn't see him making too many appearances, but there's no doubt about it. As much as like, I'm he's my favorite uh, NBA player of all time, favorite athlete of all time, but there's no doubt about it. Kobe was a heel most of his prime, you know, and that's what we saw with Trey Young. So I think it definitely amplifies everything and the social media aspect. It just ultimately brings uh, it's going to bring Trey Young fans because I'm pretty sure at this point they're going to be in Atlanta. That's his house. Um, you know, for a lot of people, obviously, y'all are professionals, so y'all know about the Dominique Wilkins and the Dikembe Mutombos, but a lot of people don't really remember a big megastar from the Hawks, you know, um, they wouldn't, I don't think they would consider anybody from that Al Horford, Dennis Schroeder team, a megastar where you're going to get a, yeah, you're going to get a mega, you have a megastar right now in Trey young. And so therefore when they go to Atlanta, Oh, he's going to eat that up. And the fans there are going to love him. And he'll be a baby face on that night. Yeah, I totally agree. And I I love that he turned the heel card in New York City. I I think it's something that not only was great for him, not only was great for Atlanta, but I think is good for the NBA at large. Because I think this day and age, I mean, you look at maybe Joel Embiid. I can't Mm. think of many other heels aside from Trey Young and Joel Embiid. So I, I think it's been great overall for the league. Justin, go ahead. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think with Trey Young, it was really good to see him embrace that role because I think a lot of NBA players now, they're obsessed with their image and social media. So mm-hmm. if they do something a little bit heelish, they don't want to take the heat on social media and then they have to apologize. And it was great to see Trey Young like double down and just in terms of just him being a villain in New York, because that's something easily a lot of players would do. Be like, well, I'm sorry. I love I love New York. I love the guard and all this. And he did not back down from that. So it was, it was cool to see him. It's refreshing. Kind of, yeah, just take the kind of that Reggie Miller aura and kind of run with it. So it, it was mm-hmm. refreshing to see in a playoff setting. It's, it's funny. I tweeted that. I said he was the biggest heel since Reggie Miller when I did the gif of Reggie Miller yeah. doing the choke. Um, I want to kind of ask you, Brian, you know, the last dance came out last mm-hmm. year and there was a kind of huge 
wrestling component that was kind of overshadowed. I mean, it was discussed, but you know, I'm sure since you were a huge wrestling fan, that was a massive deal. I'm sure to you, just seeing you know Dennis Rodman and Karl Malone, um, you know, actually go at it while there's the NBA Finals as well. Can you kind of elaborate on that? Because I feel like the Last Dance they covered it. They did the whole story about Carmen Electra in Las Vegas, but I don't think they really went into kind of how big of a deal that was. I mean, wrestling in the '90s was massively popular. Um, mm-hmm. Can you kind of go over what you remember from that time period, and also what you saw in the Last Dance in terms of that wrestling connection as well? Well, uh, let's, you know, one of the things that was interesting to me was, if you remember, um, so I don't know if y'all, like, you know, I'm in, I'm 35, so I don't know if, like, you remember. Same age. Same age. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. So, if you remember, um, in, well, I should say this, in Baltimore, and I didn't know anybody who was not a Bulls fan at the time, right? Michael Jordan, the most popular player in the world, I think maybe ran into two people who were rooting for Utah. So when this happened, I thought it was interesting that, even though it makes sense, right? But I still thought it was interesting that we were seeing people cheer for Michael Jordan, therefore cheering for Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman. But then on Nitro, you're booing uh, Dennis Rodman because of his association with Hollywood Hogan. And then cheering Carl Malone. I'm like, wait, people actually like Carl Malone? I didn't think anybody liked Carl Malone outside of Utah. That was the weirdest thing, (laughs) you know? And so you have all this going on. And I believe the payoff actually happened, like, after the finals, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're correct, yeah. Yeah, so, and that would have been at Bash at the Beach, which primarily is in July. Uh, But it was, and then you had everything that happened. Jay Leno, you had Rodman and Hogan taking over. And you wasn't going to put Jay Leno in the ring too much. You know, a couple bumps here and there. (laughs) <laughs> but, you know, people wanted to see, especially, you remember, on the court, like, the way Dennis Rodman played, and he would get in people's head. So people wanted to see him and Carl Malone kind of go at it, you know. And I thought that was well done, and especially for it to take place during those finals. Um, at the height of the uh, Monday Night Wars, dare say the height of WCW as well, because um, I don't think Hogan had dropped the title just yet, if I'm not mistaken. I think he was still champion. He would yeah. drop it to Goldberg right afterwards. But you saw all of this happen, you know, and I thought that was a good thing. Um, it would have been nice to see. You 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 see it more in Dennis Rodman's documentary for obvious reasons, yeah. but it just goes to show you there's always been a connection with wrestling and sports. You know, if you were, we go all the way back to WrestleMania 1 where Muhammad Ali was the special enforcer with Hogan, and Mr. T against the late, great Paul Orndorff and the late, great Roddy Piper. You know, you could even go back to, um, you know, and even um, uh, Muhammad Ali versus Antonio Inoki. You know, and then you could go to WrestleMania 2 where Refrigerator Perry was in that battle royal. You know, Lawrence Taylor wrestled in the main event of WrestleMania 11. So there's always been that connection uh, and then nowadays, you really see like Giannis, right? Giannis shows up. Uh, obviously, WWE presents everybody with a championship belt. Giannis shows up. The AEW walks out there, gets the huge pop. And the thing is, like, they were fans. You know, you figure most of these players, it's weird because a lot of these players are more new generation fans, right? I mean, uh, ruthless aggression era fans, yeah. where we were, you know, attitude era. That's what, you know, we grew up in the new generation, but the attitude era is where we like really, got into wrestling where it was pop culture 
And then you hear somebody say, oh, I'm a, a ruthless generation. I mean, ruthless aggression. I'm like, what? Exactly. And, exactly. and, and it, there's always been this battle in wrestling Twitter between those two eras because the ruthless aggression era always felt like the work rate of the attitude era wasn't that good. And I try to explain to people, we didn't care about the work rate. We cared about the stories. We talked about what McMahon was doing to Stone Cold and vice versa. We didn't care if it was a five-star match or not. Agreed. Well, the Attitude Era made more money. <laughs> Bingo. The company. So there you go. <laughs> Easily. Um, even though you're right. I mean, just from, from a work rate perspective, I I think they have a, a decent point if you, I guess, tabulate. I mean, if you want to count the independent scenes, sure. But in terms of relevancy, in terms of what's popping, I mean, easily mm-hmm. Attitude Era wins by, by a mile. And right. so as we're talking about that, we're in this new era now, social media. Mm-hmm. We've seen wrestling kind of at a decline, a lot of transition, and a new company with AEW. I see you have the TNT title in back of you. What do you make <laughs> of AEW overall? Because it's it's tough for me just being a, just a hardcore wrestling fan, following mm-hmm. all these guys, and finally seeing them in a venue where they can actually show their crafts from not only a promo standpoint, but an in-ring standpoint, but tr- trying to remain unbiased as well trying to keep those kind of like warm and fuzzy feelings out of it and trying to watch it objectively so what do you make of kind of aew so far as competition and also to like like my best friend matt here who you know watched wrestling you know back in the 90s and now you know i'll be honest as a wrestling fan i've been conflicted to kind of show you know, friends like Matt and my other friends in terms of, hey, this is exciting. But yeah, I see some stuff that I'm like, oh, this is kind of embarrassing. (laughs) So, so what do you, yeah. So, so what do you, so what do you, what do you make of kind of this era now? And do you think it's finally safe for somebody like Matt to kind of jump back into the wrestling pool again? You know, it's funny you say that because I'm the same exact way with my god brother. Um, we, we both grew up watching the Attitude Era together and, you know, like pay-per-view parties and stuff like that. But then he got out of it. And now, you know, it's like, well, yeah, you know, Chris Jericho's over in this new uh, promotion. But then, like, I don't know if you remember when NBA Twitter roasted Chris Jericho and they called him <laughs> fat and out of shape because they just didn't recognize him. But I do think um, when you look at AW, it's cool. I can't call it competition yet. And I don't think it... I don't think it ever will be in a sense of for the fact that they're not going to do what Eric Bischoff was trying to do. Eric Bischoff was trying to put Vince McMahon out of business. He was trying to hurt his livelihood, even though Hogan Hall and Nash said, you'll never do that. You know, so he, they were literally fighting for their lives. AEW is the uh, great alternative, probably the perfect alternative. I said on the wrestling realm uh, the other day that a lot of wrestlers that's going over there now, like uh, Brian Danielson, um adam cole and cm punk they would have been in AEW had it been around years ago and i always said that if we was ever see and i, I remember telling my co-host Dwayne this i said if we was to ever see somebody have another promotion they would have to love wrestling the way ted turner does and be rich the way ted turner is and that's exactly what we have in tony yeah. khan um you know because you got to be willing to lose money right and um my biggest grief with them is that one aw so for independent wrestlers, you want to get to the WWE or AEW, right? And you want to have an opportunity to show your craft. You want to have, you know, to be able to say, oh, I was in a dark match there. And I think with that, because you have AEW Dark Revelation, 
that comes on Mondays on YouTube. Then you have AEW Dark that comes on Tuesdays on YouTube. AEW Dynamite, then AEW Rampage on uh, Fridays on TNT. Dynamite coming on Wednesdays on TNT. There's no difference. Like if you turn on your television and you see the AEW ring and the wrestlers, you can't tell what show you're watching. You remember growing up, you could tell if you turned on uh, Sunday Night Heat, Shotgun Saturday Night, Monday Night Raw, Thursday Night Smackdown, Velocity. You know, you could tell the difference. Even on Thunder, Worldwide, uh, Nitro, Saturday Night, you could tell the difference. And that's where the biggest, um, one of my biggest flaws I have with them. But I do think it's a, a great opportunity to see the wrestlers be able to be wrestlers, you know. Um there in 2014, 15, uh, and beginning of 16, there was a time when the independence was taking rising to the top, right? That's when AJ Styles was on the indies, Adam Cole. Um, you know, so you thought, like, man, and, and you know, obviously Omega and the Young Bucks, they were all doing their thing, and it felt like that was the best it was gonna get. Then all of a sudden, Triple H really like goes after these guys and put them on NXT. But then it seems as if he has the roadblock. And I'm not one to like bash Vince McMahon, but Vince, because they have, you know, sponsors they have to answer and shareholders they have to answer to. But it seems like they just couldn't get over the hump to really change the business to be in wrestling first. And now you have that over in AEW. I just wonder um, if this is sustainable and if we will be able to see it make money in the long term. Um, we obviously, as wrestler fans, we hope we do, but you know, you still got to entertain because you want to have more than the one point, however million fans you have watching every week. You want to do that, and you know, you also see that with them, they don't really cater to children, and children is what make the money. You know, because I have two kids, and if I take them to a show, that's three tickets. Yeah. You know, if we go to a show, that's two tickets, and we might say, okay, uh, I don't need that shirt children nine times out of ten you're gonna buy them the shirt so that's two more shirts that's all this merchandise you know and then christmas time comes so um that's what i'm interested to see but i do think it's good i think it's great for wrestling uh and daniel bryan or excuse me brian danielson said one of the reasons he went to AEW because he felt his name was big enough that he goes over there it could create that shift and that competition and you know i'm interested to see because he became a mega global superstar how many people from WWE will say, okay, my guy is over there. Now I'm going to watch. And I think if we get that, it's great for the business. But as far as it being full-fledged competition, no. Will it be an alternative to WWE? Absolutely. I think you bring up a lot of good points. And in terms of it being fan-friendly, that's a great point. Because you, if you probably saw the MJF promo in terms of Brian Pillman Jr., Definitely not children appropriate. And I mm -hmm. felt like he can get the same amount of heat, get that same reaction without just crossing those lines. So I think that's where I kind of feel like AEW still hasn't matured yet just because I feel like MJF's a way better promo than to resort to just going for this cheap shock value lines. Mm -hmm. And it made Brian Pillman look stupid too because he's not as good as talker as MJF. So <laughs> it's hard to take him seriously as a baby face. But it, I agree with you. Um, go ahead. I was going to say, the thing about Brian Pillman, we got to be honest, he's not his dad, right? Um, no, not his, his, his yeah. dad was... Yeah. <laughs> his dad fought and clawed everywhere we go. He went, right? And I wouldn't dare say like Brian Pillman Jr. had everything given to him. 
but he did have some opportunities. He said this on Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast that he's had some opportunities that maybe he shouldn't have had, but because of his name. Um, so, you know, with that being said, okay, you take that opportunity, but you, we got to see him be different, right? Because right now he's wearing it. And maybe that was because it was Cincinnati, you know, but a lot of times when I look at the, um, the varsity blondes, I yeah. see a Hollywood blondes knockoff, you know, and I get honoring your father, but if he's going to go to that next level, eventually the fact that he's Brian Pillman Jr. is going to get old. It got old with Curtis Axel. If we can be honest, you know, as much as a huge fan, and I was a huge fan of Mr. Perfect, love when they did, they mixed up the music and put it with Paul Heyman, but eventually it got old. And that's what Brian Pillman Jr. has to look out for. It's eventually going to get old. It even got old with the, uh, Harry Smith. He had to yeah. change up and, yeah. you know, really show, okay, I'm, you know, he kind of showed us he's a little bit more athletic than his dad. And if possible, he looks stronger than his dad, but he had to separate himself. Natty separated herself. Yeah, you know she's uh, Jimna Anvil, now her daughter, but she separated herself and created her own identity. Yeah, totally agree with you. And the Curtis Axel comparison is perfect because I feel like they're kind <laughs> no of the pun same. Intended. <laughs> yeah, right. No pun intended. They're kind of it's kind of like they're great athletes, but in mm -hmm. terms of them being special, I don't see it. And I felt actually with Brian Pillman Jr. and MLW, I kind of felt he had that swagger, like him with Harry and with Teddy Hart. I thought it was, I don't know, he kind of had like I don't know a little bit of extra going for him, but I think in this tag team with the varsity blunts, they're kind of generic. He's a good athlete, but mm -hmm. I just think in terms of taking it to that next level, I don't know. Ooh, um, you but, made up a good point. It feel like he jumped too soon. Yeah. Like, and it's kind of right. hard to tell somebody if they getting paid, you know, more money versus, you know, chump change, you know, you obviously will. We're not trying to say what people should do with their careers, but it seemed like he was getting somewhere and then he like jumped too soon. Yeah, totally agree with you. Um, I want to shift to just the NBA. Your thoughts on what you saw this season and even last season. I mean, it's just honestly, it's kind of like one big like two season blob, <laughs> just considering the bubble and then the season falling with no fans. Um, what was your engagement in terms of your fan interest? And now we're heading to this new season in which things are back to normal from a television standpoint with fans back into the stands. And now we have this new kind of X factor with COVID in terms of players, you know, might be missing time just because they've contracted this virus. Um, what, do you, what did you make of this, everything going on the last couple of years, your feelings of just watching the NBA as a, as a product? Man, it was, it was weird. Um, you know, it, it, it was, I mean, we really went on an emotional ride because, you know, losing Kobe Bryant, it felt like everything went downhill from there, right? We, after he uh, passed away, then they canceled games for a couple of days. So, you know, people could kind of, you know, get themselves together. And then afterwards, it was like, okay, we back to, you know, playing basketball. We honored him at the All-Star game. Then, boom, we stopped again. And like you said, it was like kind of like a season and a half because that was, that was you know, we talked about NBA 2K uh, yeah. video game. When that came out, that was one of the things people were complaining about. It's like, why would I buy 2K21 if it's not a different roster? Now, granted, they've made some upgrades, and you can always update the roster throughout. And yeah. I remember after, I was like, wait a minute. Oh, it's the same thing. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was cool, though. With 21, you had, you know, if you bought, like, the Legends Edition like I did, you got the Kobe coin and Kobe on the cover. But, you know, when you, you look at everything, Last year was very interesting because 
it, it, I knew from the jump, I ain't gonna say I knew, I felt from the jump that we were not going, there was no way in the world we was gonna get a finals rematch, right? As um, big of a Laker fan I am, I knew that the season was gonna be rough because the turnaround was so quick. I mean, we're talking end of September, then jumping right back into it in December. So the turnaround time was so quick. And I know LeBron made the, um, that he was going, um, you know, kind of hang court and all that. But, you know, obviously, unfortunately, him and Anthony Davis got hurt. And then, you know, it, it, the injuries caught up with him. So I'm very interested in to see what happens this year. I did think last year it was refreshing to see two new teams in the NBA Finals. Um, when you think about Great. just, yeah, just the past um, decade, it, you you can almost kind of say, like, you pick a year, right? Actually, probably past 25 years. You pick a year, and, and then you figure, okay, this team is going to be in the finals for the next few years. We had the Bulls era, the Lakers era, the Heat era, um, the Spurs era, <laughs> the Warriors era, the um, Cavaliers era. So, you know, to get two teams that and I don't think we'll see those two teams again. Um, I don't think we'll see either one of them again, to be honest, which I think we'll get the matchup that everybody wants. And that being the Lakers and the Nets, I think that's the money matchup. We missed out on a Lakers Cavaliers back in the day. So, you know, I think we'll get the Lakers and the Nets, but it was uh, definitely refreshing to see two teams. I was rooting for Chris Paul. Uh, he, it was kind of a now or never thing. I don't know if y'all got the same thing, but for me, I always felt like for him, it was either then or never because of the team he put together, but then they just seemed like the moment got too big for them. Totally. I have to ask Brian, how are you feeling now heading into this season for the Lakers? How do you feel? You know, fans oftentimes have, I think better insight than a lot of media personalities <laughs> or, or people looking at the league at large. Cause you know, you guys are looking really in depth at these teams. How are you feeling about, Russell Westbrook and that sort of marriage to this team with the Lakers. Um, you feeling good about them matching together? <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I feel good because Russ and Melo, they're hungry. Um, you, you know, they haven't tasted the championship. Melo's never tasted the finals. Uh, so they're hungry. Um, then there's Dwight Howard where like he, it just seems like for some reason he's married to Los Angeles. Um, I, mm-hmm. I, I, and I don't think he ever wanted to leave. You know, I remember him writing his caption on Instagram about I'm coming back. And then he had to hurry yeah. up and take it down. So, um, like the most Dwight Howard thing ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. and, and, and it's so weird because this is a guy that was at one point, one of the top five players in the league. He goes to LA and then, you know, he becomes one of the most hated people in the league. Um, but, and then he comes back and he's loved again. Um, but, that, you know, I think that I, I feel good about this team. Um, I know a lot of people are saying age and everything, but I think with this comes wisdom. You know, you, you're not going to have the um, – well, one, for me, even though we had, like, with the Lakers, they had Carl Malone and Gary Payton, I still will uh, say this to this day. I think the only reason why the Lakers didn't win the championship, not because of Kobe and Shaq not being able to get along, but because of the fact that I just think Carl Malone's not a great person. And it just wasn't in the cards because when you look at it afterwards, Gary Payton went on to win the championship with Shaq in Miami. Yeah. So, um, but uh-huh. I do think that, um, you know, I did not, I don't think it's uh Scotty Pippen and um, Charles Barkley and Hakeem Olajuwon. Uh, it just felt like they just, you know, they kept pointing the fingers, but you look at like LeBron and Melo are close friends. They've been close friends for over 20 years. 
Um, and then you have uh, Russell Westbrook, who is probably one of the most loyal people you can meet from what you hear, you know, uh, when Kevin Durant up and left him. And this is from Russell Westbrook's perception. I read this long article and he said he kept saying, I like my team. I like my team. You know, he didn't want to give up on them. And I felt to this day, I always felt he was going to stay with OKC forever. But it's just that, you know, they wanted to go in a different direction. But I think he would have stayed and wrote it out if they could, you know. But so with that being said, I do think the Lakers have a great shot at winning again. Uh, And I think because they have these people in place, it'll be Boston Celtics-esque where you have the veterans understanding their role to do with the ultimate goal, and that's win a championship. I want to ask you on that point, how do you think the Westbrook-LeBron dynamic is going to work? I mean, Westbrook Especially always in the has fourth the quarter. Yeah. That's <laughs> my huge question. Exactly, yeah. That's math. So how do you address that situation? <laughs> I'm curious. Well, well, Westbrook, I mean, you know, the thing is, like, him and Kevin Durant worked better their last year. It, you know, they were up three to one. It's just that to me, both of them decided to not involve everybody else once they got up three to one, you know? And, and mm-hmm. that's what I think that he's going to look back and he's going to learn from that mistake. This is the best player he's ever played with. Um, or we'll say, you know, for the second, you know, tied for the best player he's ever played with. So he's on a team where. You know, it's not like some there's a you know an argument of is this person better or that person better. No, everybody knows LeBron James is be- the best player on the Lakers. Um, you then you got somebody like Anthony Davis, who's a dynamic person down bottom who can finish and but also stretch the floor. So that's something you know he's getting. So he's he's got. I think when it comes to that fourth quarter, you know he's going to understand his role, but it's also. It is, you know, kind of like a crazy decoy, right? Because you're going to have to pick your battle. If you, you you key in on LeBron, he's got AD, or he can, you know, go for it himself, and then he's going to have the rim protection down bottom. And then you still have Carmelo, who is a walking bucket regardless. So I think everything's going to be fine. You know, it makes me feel a lot better for them, too. I, I think that Rondo signing is so huge. Uh, there, we had Trevor Lane on the podcast last year who covers the Lakers. And he was talking about how Rondo was the guy who was able to get between LeBron and the other guys and like, kind of check LeBron, like, Hey, you can't roll your eyes at Kyle Kuzma like that. Like if he, (laughs) if he misses a shot, like you're, you're putting him off like that. So, you know, like you said, there's plenty of experience there. I think there's some question marks, but you know, Westbrook is a hard ass too. And and that's something that I think they missed last year. So, mm-hmm. you know, to your point there, there may be more than meets the eye with this addition. And they're getting two of them, you know, but I also yeah. think I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because when you look at somebody like a Rondo, to me, Rondo's a hall of famer person, right? Yeah. A hall of fame mind, you know, the stats might not put him there, but I mean, you know, he, I know he say he hates the term playoff Rondo, but I think we get we coined that term because what we've seen is that when he's in these series, he knows the key thing about playoffs is making adjustments, right? And he understands that. He understands how to make adjustments and how to not be adjusted. Uh, so that's the thing, and I, I think that's exciting. Um, you, you know, it's almost a cheat code because you have both of them, right? And it's also going to lighten the load in a lot of cases 
so that you don't have to burn through somebody's minutes. So that's what's going to be fun. And I think maybe we might see Rondo kind of get in between LeBron and Westbrook. But, you know, clearly, like, these guys wanted to play together. And that's the thing. It's not like, um, you know, I I remember hearing the saying that when, um, I don't know how true this is. Y'all would probably know better than me. But uh, when Melo in 2014 was on his tour around the same time when LeBron went back to Cleveland, one of the things that kind of turned him off about Chicago was that uh, that Derrick Rose wasn't like, oh, I want him on the team. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like Rose had the uh, mentality that he wanted to beat everybody. He wanted to take that Bulls team and beat everybody. So, um, but I think with them guys wanting to play together, I think that's what makes this the best thing right now. Well, you're right. I think they're definitely hungry in the case of Mello and Westbrook. So this being in that dynamic where the Lakers have recently won a title, I mean, it's it's great motivation just to kind of make it work. Mm-hmm. So I think it's going to be fun to really to see as well. And, and, and work ethic. You know, I know that yeah. team that also they share a um, arena with. One of the issues that, you know, I was reading is that, you know, uh, Kawhi Leonard always, you know, his time, his way. And, you know, I don't think you have to worry about with that with the real team of Los Angeles. You know what I mean? You know, because everybody knows you come to work. First of all, you put on that purple gold. You want to honor, in my opinion, the greatest Laker of all time. And that's Kobe Bryant. And one of the things, like I've been reading the book Mamba Mentality, you hear the dynamic of the importance of showing up to work early, leaving the gym, coming back, going there early and getting the uh, reps in. And I think, you know, he would be proud looking at this team that they have. I don't think he would be saying, oh, they're too old. For sure. I think he'd be very proud. And at, at practice, multiple times. <laughs> I, I think I felt Steve Ballmer's heart breaking when you said the real team in L.A. just then. <laughs> that was nice. Go to San Diego. Get out of Los Angeles. Like, go get your own place. Man. I agree with we, that. I we agree. hang up banners. Yeah, we hang yeah. up banners. They go hang to up <laughs> Yeah, they need a team. It's so sad that they don't have a team like that. That makes me sad. Like the people see no correction that they don't have an NBA team, you know. Right. uh, right. But they make up for Supersonics. Yeah, you know, they make up for with the WNBA team because man, do they lose? (laughs) It feels like (laughs) goodness gracious. They definitely have a great fan base for sure. Hopefully. Someday the league can make it happen because it's it sucked. I think I saw a great documentary on just how they lost the team and just all the yeah. fallout. It's it's terrible. And they, you know, they're great for the storm. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're awesome. So it's just and they're great fans supporting the Seahawks and um, their soccer team too. So it, one day, hopefully, yeah. Well, Brian, thank you very much for joining the show. Really appreciate it. Keep the letter of viewers and listeners know where they can find you on social media and then also um, your podcast and shows and anything else you're working on as well. Yeah. Um, oh, oh. Oh, appreciate that. So, um, yeah, you can find me at uh, Brian H. Waters um, on all social media platforms. One T in Waters, uh, not like Ricky Williams. Um, as like I said, uh, you know, water like you drink, add um, S. Uh, you can find me on Wrestling Realm, spelt with uh, a W for the alliteration. Shout out to my mother. That was her idea when we put the show together. We're celebrating our 10-year anniversary, so I'm really excited about that. We have a lot of cool stuff. Uh, for the Attitude Era fans out there and the NWO fans, check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash The Wrestling Realm. Uh, you may remember the NWO paid promotions video they did years ago. Oh, yeah. Well, a few years ago, me and uh, Dwayne reenacted that. 
Uh, shout out to him. His vision uh, as we put that together was so much fun to do. And then we also did the uh, DX um, when they got in trouble by U- the USA Network. And so we did something similar to that. So we have a lot of fun with the show. It's not just us talking wrestling, but we do like funny promos and skits. Um, it all started just from us. When we were television production majors at Morgan State University, and we created the show as a way to talk wrestling and help us brush up and sharpen our production skills. Um, but you can also find my, uh, other podcasts, Breaking Through Glass Seals, where I introduce um, my network to the world. I'm blessed to be connected to a lot of great people. So I interview them about their stories and how they got to where they are. So make sure y'all check that out. And uh, Justin and Matt, I really appreciate y'all um, bringing me on here to talk basketball. I don't really talk basketball. I get a chance to talk too much. You know, I'm always brought on to talk wrestling or, you know, sometimes the Ravens, but, you know, so it was really very refreshing. I really enjoyed the show. Yeah, really enjoyed the chat. And next time we'll have to talk about your um, belt collection. Oh, yeah, uh, we can there's... talk, you know, 15 <laughs> of them. Uh, so I definitely with my, you know, I actually have a top five uh, belts uh, show. I did my oh. top five out of my collection. At the time, the collection was at 12 when we recorded it. But uh, it's fairly new. Well, we dropped it um, on August 7th for my birthday. But we do my top five uh, out of all my collection, my top five favorites. That's awesome. Well, Brian, we really enjoyed the chat as well. Thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me.